Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for recording all of this wonderful history about the Lord. And we pray, Lord, that as we this morning study a word, that your Holy Spirit would do a work on our hearts and uh, conform us to the image of the one we're studying about this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew 4, verse 12. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called unto them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. Okay, now, we're in a section here in this passage here in Matthew, and the section now has opened up in verse 12 with his words about when Jesus heard that John had been cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. So what this does is this verse paints for us a picture of the Lord where he's like standing, ready to start his public ministry, but he needs a signal. He needs the signal, the signal of it's time, go. And so until he has that signal, he just patiently waits where he is there. In Nazareth. So John the Baptist, in his public ministry, he's announcing, in essence, the coming of the Lord, that he's coming. I mean, John is preparing the people for the coming of the Lord by telling them the wrath of God is around the corner. The wrath of God is coming. And if they didn't obey the call of the Lord to be reconciled to God, that they were going to suffer as a result of that. That wrath of God, of course, we know is what 
the Bible calls hell. And so John the Baptist is making the people aware of their sins. He's bringing it to their minds. He's, he's baptizing them to repentance. And this is all what's necessary for getting the people ready for the Lord. Now, all the while, while this is going on, Jesus is there waiting in the wings. And so what we see here is the Lord's determination not to compete with John the Baptist. But the Lord's just gonna wait for John the Baptist to finish. I mean, he doesn't wanna compete with John the Baptist, doesn't want to be like Lot, he wants to be like Abraham over the time when they were striving over this limited amount of grazing land that was available, where we saw that in Genesis 13.8, Genesis 13.8, where it says, Abraham said unto Lot, let there be no strife. I pray thee between me and thee and between thy herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we be brethren. And then Abraham described to him, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So the Lord is like Abraham here. He doesn't want to compete with John the Baptist. And he's sort of standing behind the curtains waiting for John the Baptist to finish. And in verse 12, when the Lord hears that John the Baptist has been cast into prison, that's the signal that he's been waiting for to start his public ministry there. It's kind of like the Lord, you can picture him like a paratrooper and he's riding the plane and he's waiting till he gets over the target and when the call comes for the paratrooper to jump, he jumps. So when the Lord hears that John the Baptist is cast into prison, the Lord jumps. And that's what it means there in verse 12 that it says he departed into Galilee. He's jumping into action. Now, he's passionate as he's going throughout Galilee there, he's got a burden in his heart, it's the same burden that we should have for the lost. I mean, I love the description of Greenland's icy mountains. It's so graphic when it says, shall we to men be knighted, the lamp of life deny? You kind of have to think about that a little bit. So shall we to men be knighted, men who are in darkness. Shall we deny them the lamp of life? Salvation, oh salvation, the joyful news proclaim till earth's remotest nation has learned Messiah's name. Great words. Anyway, the Lord targets this certain people to start his ministry. It's interesting. He's not targeting the religious elite in Jerusalem who sit and spend their time discussing all the waiting matters, and sometimes they write them down in the Talmud, and then the Talmud keeps going and going. But why does he start here? He starts here because of what he said later. He starts with these people in Galilee there because he says, he's gonna say in Matthew 9, 12, Matthew 9, 12, that he's gonna say, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So he's not going to those who at least see themselves as whole, but he's going to those who have you know, lined up in the doctor's lobby. They're sick, they know they're sick. He said in Luke 5.32, Luke 5.32, I came not to call the righteous, but, to call, but sinners to repentance. So what he's saying there is that his calling had to do with how people saw themselves. If a person sees himself as self-righteous, he's not calling them. But if a person sees himself as a sinner, then he's calling that person, and not just the type of sinner that was a good sinner telling white lies, but the type that's the dirty and rotten type. And that's why the Lord has chosen this particular group to start his ministry. I mean, this is a group that's so different from the scribes and the Pharisees in Jerusalem. This is a group that's described in verse 16 as people sitting in darkness and in the region and shadow of death. This is the group. 
that the Lord has chosen to start his ministry with. This is a decision that the Lord has made, and it all has to show here that who he believes will benefit from the message that he has, the being able to be reconciled with God. So now his message, it's crystal clear, and his method is also clear. It says in verse 17 that from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is in hand. Now, in preaching, he's got a boldness to him. If you like, he's got a holy chutzpah, you know, to go out there. I mean, how dare you tell me I'm a sinner? Okay, that's chutzpah. Anyway, he does that. Same boldness that the apostles had in Acts 4.31, Acts 4.31, when it says they spake the word of God with boldness. His message is that when he says the kingdom of hand is at hand, he uses this term at hand, his message is that you don't wanna miss this opportunity. This is the opportunity. This is your time right here. And that's what he's, so in other words, it's all about today. Tomorrow's too late. Now, then we see him in verse 18. He's walking, he's walking alone. He does great works when he's walking. He's walking alone and he's thinking and he's walking by the Sea of Galilee and he sees two brothers and they're casting their nets into the sea and that just arrests him when he sees that vision of these two brothers. It says in verse 18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net. So he's looking at these two brothers and they're in the process of casting their net into the sea, and he sees them, and he thinks, those men are the ones I need. First of all, he knows he needs help. He needs help, he's looking for help. He will pour himself into these who he's calling to follow him, and he does that, but he knows he's limited, and he alone can't do this job that has to be done, so he needs to multiply himself in his disciples. And so he sees these fishermen, and he chooses them. And again, he doesn't go to Jerusalem. He doesn't go to Jerusalem and put an ad out. I want to interview the most learned here and send your resumes to me, you know, so I can review, you know, all the places of your highest learning in your grades and so forth. I mean, this is totally his decision, his decision as to who he's going to call. He could have gone anywhere and who he's going to pour himself into, who's going to learn from him. And he sees these fishermen and he's chosen fishermen. To be, and when he chooses, I mean, these are stinky, uneducated, wet fishermen, and he's chosen them to do what? In Acts 17.6, Acts 17.6, it describes them, and it says that these that have turned the world upside down, later, they're gonna be those that are gonna turn the world upside down. He's gonna pour himself into these fishermen, and they're gonna turn the whole world upside down. And so he's gone now to the most remote part of Israel, to this despised region that's not just called Galilee, it's called Galilee of the Gentiles. It's even worse. And there he chooses poor, unlearned, foolish, base at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder, fishermen, to turn the world upside down. And when we see him choose these people, these ones here, to do this great work, it's really an illustration of what is meant when James later would say, James 2.5, James 2.5, he says, hath not God chosen the poor of this world? And these fishermen, he made his choice. He's calling the poor of this world who he'll make rich in faith and heirs of the heavenly kingdom. 
And it's, it's really an illustration of 1 Corinthians 126, 1 Corinthians 126, where it says, you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen, again, think, Jesus has chosen these fishermen. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised. No flesh should glory in his presence. See, in those fishermen, he's chosen the foolish, the weak, the base, and the despised. And he's done it for one purpose, which is 1 Corinthians 1.29, 1 Corinthians 1.29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So he's made his choice. He's made his choice of these fishermen so that later, none of these fishermen would ever set up an office with a big desk and have all their degrees on the wall behind them you know, and say, yes, my wisdom comes from these degrees of these finest learning places of the world and from the best teachers of the world and that's how I was able to turn the world upside down. He abhors that. So he chooses fishermen and those fishermen who were ignorant of the higher learning, they're gonna make the world marvel, as it says in, in Acts 4.13, Acts 4.13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So what the world saw in these fishermen and what the world would come to only one conclusion, all the wisdom, all the power of these fishermen comes from one source, Acts 4.13. They had been with Jesus. So he chooses the fishermen, and they don't have any book knowledge, but they have one knowledge. They do have one knowledge. And that knowledge was they all knew business, the business of catching and selling fish. They knew that. These were all men of business. And that was important to the Lord because he was calling them into a business the same business that he was in, that he spoke about to his parents in Luke 2.49 when he was 12 years old. Luke 2.49, he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? So he's calling these fishermen as men of business to come into his father's business, which is the business of saving and training souls for heaven. Now, at first, he sees two brothers. This is Simon and Peter and Andrew. They're brothers in the flesh, but he knows that when these two brothers follow him, which they did, these two brothers will become brothers on a higher plane as they're gonna become brothers of the spirit and the children of God and the family of God. And then he calls these two brothers, there at Simon and Andrew, and he says to them in verse 19, verse 19, he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We know that he said that, and we've been reading that a lot, and so we gotta go back and say, what did they understand him to say? You know, it's kinda like when I was saved, and Pastor Han said to me, have you ever received the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I looked at him and I said, I don't even know what you just said. <laughs> you know, so you can kind of imagine these fishermen say, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they could have looked at him and says, I don't know what you just said. With that call, they understood certain things. First thing they understood is that he was saying, you are not 
a fisher of men. So he says you'll become fishermen. So, and maybe you don't see how you can become a fisher of men. You don't even know what a fisher of men is, but I'll make you to become a fisher of men. You will understand what a fisher of men is and you will become a fisher of men. Okay, and maybe for a moment, I don't know, as they were thinking about this, that me? Maybe for that moment, they were thinking of Moses who was called to do what Moses thought, I can't do that. But God told Moses, I'll make you able to do that. And that's all given to us in Exodus 4.10. Exodus 4.10, where it says, Moses said unto the Lord, oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I'm slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Lord said, oh, I didn't know. Sorry, I got the wrong person here. Okay, I'll go look for somebody else. Angels, why don't you do a better job? Give me the right person there. What's the matter with you? Anyway, the Lord didn't say that. He said, the Lord said unto him, who hath made man's mouth or maketh the dumb or the deaf and seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? You know, it's like the Lord said, I'm sorry, did you miss who made man's mouth? Do you think I really got it wrong? And then he said to Moses, Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Maybe they thought about that. A fisher of men, listen, I made fish. I made men. I'm gonna make you a fisher of men, and I will be with you. So what more more did Simon and Andrew hear the Lord say when he said to them, he wants to be fishers of men? You know, they're going, fishers of men? What? I never heard of a fisher of men. Wonder what it means to be a fisher of men. And I kind of wonder what came to their mind when they heard this, quickly came to their mind that he wanted them to become a fisher of men. I mean, they must have thought that he wanted them to do, I mean, where are fish? They're in the sea. (laughs) Where are men? They're in the world. They must have thought that he wanted them to do with the world what they did with the Sea of Galilee every day. I mean, each day they wake up and their first thought is the sea. The sea, and that's what a fisherman does. The first thought he wakes up is the sea. It's like the call of the sea. The sea is calling them, come, fish, take my fish. And every day they plan where they're going to go in the sea when they go for fish. I told you about my friend Juan as his panga boat, and he's like the best fisherman out there. And you know what he does? When he goes and finds a good spot and fish, he marks it with GPS, And then he goes back to that same place with the water. You know, you guys know that, right? So these fishermen, they plan where in the sea they're going to fish. And then they cast their net as broad as they possibly can. I told you about Goody, who goes out there and casts the net out to catch the anchovies with the bait. And then they knew that they're going to catch what they can't see. That net's going to go down there and they're going to be fish. They're going to find out what they got after they pull the net up, but they can't see. They don't. And they cast the net there. And in a sense, whether the net catches fish or it doesn't catch fish is totally out of their control. It's totally out of their control. Are they going to catch fish or not? But one thing they know for sure, they don't know whether they're going to catch any fish if they throw the net in there. Maybe, maybe not. But one thing's for sure. If they don't put the net in the water, they're not going to catch fish. They know that part. So just keep the net in the boat if you don't want to catch fish. Okay, so... I mean, no fish is ever going to jump in the boat and say, okay, here I am, he caught me, you know. And then also, they understood that they had faith in their net. I mean, we're going to see a couple more later on. They're mending their net. They got faith. They got confidence in this net. It's going to catch 
fish whatever there happens to be under the net there. And if they didn't catch any fish, it's not the net's fault. It's not the net's fault. It's just that there weren't any fish there. And, and they also know that when they throw the net out, they just got to wait a little bit. Just be a little patient. Let the net settle in the water so the fish can swim into it. You pull up the net too soon, you're not going to catch any fish. And they also knew that this fish business, it's hard work. I mean, it's hard work. They're out there working hard, and they're wet, and they're cold. And they also know they have to be very patient. So the Lord comes to them in verse 19. He says, I want to make you fishers of men. That's radical for them to hear that. And that's like reprogramming their whole way of thinking. I mean, it's like, oh, instead of seeing the Sea of Galilee as a place where you catch fish, now he wants me to see the world as the place where you catch men. And instead of getting up each day and planning where I'm going to go in the Sea of Galilee to catch fish, now he wants me to get up each day and plan where I'm going to go to catch men. And instead of casting a net of these filaments, you know, broad as they, into the sea, oh, now he wants me to cast a net of his message to as many people as I can. And instead of the net catching what I can't see, oh, now his message is going to draw the hearts of men, then I won't be able to see that either, necessarily. And then instead of the net catching and it being out of my control, now the response to his message is really out of my control. But one thing's for sure, if I don't give the message, I'm not going to catch any men. If like I don't catch the fish, if I don't throw the net out there, unless I preach the gospel, no one is going to be saved. Instead of having faith in their net to catch fish, now they have faith in the message, the gospel message. It's able to bring men to God. And instead of letting the net settle in the water, now don't be too anxious. Let people have a chance to think about the message, the gospel message, before asking them for a decision. And instead of all the hard work of being the wet and the cold out there, now expect that the gospel preaching is going to be hard work and patiently wait for souls. And so the whole call now is, you know about the sea? Now you got to learn about the world. You know how to attract fish? Now you got to learn how to attract people. You know how to risk your life in the sea? Now you're going to risk your life with the message. You go out every day and you expect to catch fish, even though you might not, but you expect in the same way. When you go out and preach his message, you expect there to be a, a reaping. So this is all which is percolating through their minds. When these fishermen heard the Lord say in verse 19, I will make you fishers of men. And they never heard that before. But they didn't have time to think about it very much, very long at all. All they heard was, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And you gotta remember, we gotta think about how they remembered back when they were little kids, little kids, Elizabeth brought a couple of your grandchildren or something like that, little kids, you know, at church, you know, and they're looking all around in communion. Is that how you do it, you know? <laughs> so and, uh, so you got to remember back when these fishermen were children and their fisherman father said the same thing to them. Follow me and I will make you fishers of fish. So they're thinking, oh, this is going to be a repeat. It's just a repeat of what's already happened to me when I was a child. I mean, I followed my dad, and he made me a fisher of fish. Now, instead of dad, it's going to be the Lord Jesus, and I'm going to be like a child, and I'm going to learn from him how to be a fisher of men. So they thought back on when they were children, and they weren't fishers of fish, but their father made them. 
fishers of fish, and because he taught them. And so now they're just thinking, okay, this is gonna repeat itself. So all this takes place in a moment, in a moment in their minds, and their response is immediate, and it's complete. And just took a moment, and it says in verse 20, they straightway left their nets and followed him. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 